The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast and our preview of the 2021 NBA Conference Finals. Coming off a weekend of riveting, exciting NBA basketball. Two down-to-the-wire Game 7s in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. And joining me to discuss both Conference Finals series from Vancouver, British Columbia, we have Anas. What up, Anas? How's it going? Busy. All right, so uh, we have uh, two exciting series uh, coming up in the conference finals. All right. Yeah, two exciting series coming up in the conference finals, but let's just first discuss kind of some of those uh, exciting Game 7s that we saw over the weekend in the Eastern Conference. So first, on Saturday night, we had an overtime game between Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and Milwaukee just pulled it out barely in that seventh game on the road to advance to their first conference finals since 2019. And then Brooklyn uh, banged up, uh, thought they had it with Durant in, in regulation, and then uh, they came up just short with Durant uh, missing everything on that shot in overtime. So uh, what did you see in that series, and did it ultimately just simply just come down to lack of uh, depth for the Brooklyn and the injuries were, were just too much? Uh, I think Game 7s are just, you know, what happens that night because we're not going home, right, for both teams. So I I think, like, if if, if uh, the series were any longer, if there was, like, another game to win, Brooklyn still had the chance. I think they had enough manpower to do it. It's just that uh, Joe Harris shot worse than Ben Simmons <laughs> in the series uh, from three. Uh, that was a big factor. Uh, and uh, Gary going down, right? That's a that's a big one. And then James Harden was just taking up space on the floor. He wasn't really doing much. Um, so, yeah, I think it could have gone either way. But definitely, the injuries obviously hurts any team who gets injured to the two of their three best players, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I, I mean, there's kind of a, a narrative being built about. Uh, Kevin Durant not being able to come up and uh, not being able to finish the job. So what's your take on the whole de- Kevin Durant? Because I thought I thought personally he was absolutely amazing. I mean, putting the team on his back, that excellent game five, almost 50 points, the triple-double, and then 48 again on uh, Saturday night in game seven, but ultimately fell a little short. So what's your whole take on the little narrative that's being built about uh, uh, Kevin Durant not he being able well. to come through? Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened to him at the end of, uh, end of the uh, end of OT. He he airballed that sh- shot by so much. Um, 
and uh, I think he, uh, uh, he just gassed out after playing the whole game uh, because they were only down by two, so he could have driven driven and get it, got on an easy basket instead of throwing up that shot. Uh, I think Duran played good, but at the end of the day, like, you know, uh, he has to pace himself in a way where, you know, he has energy towards the end um, because most of these games are close in this series, so, you know. One possession, two possession games that are decided towards the end. Uh, so I think he could have managed himself better, but he did play phenomenally well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, that's what he had to do. I mean, to play all those minutes and ultimately it wasn't, they had, they fell short. And then, I mean, just both teams, I mean, it was just kind of sloppy ball at the end in overtime. I mean, uh, Brooklyn's only basket came off an offensive rebound with uh, Bruce Brown and then. Milwaukee really only scored uh, two buckets as well, aside from those late free throws from Brook Lopez. So it was just a everyone seemed gas. I mean, that's probably the most tired I've ever seen Giannis in a game. So everyone was just gassed at the end. That tough physical series. It reminded me of that Philly and Toronto series two years ago in the conference semifinals. Just tough physical series uh, coming down to the wire. So Milwaukee advances. Uh, I think Budenholzer maybe has uh, saved his job a little bit with that win. We'll see. But going to the next uh, Eastern Conference semifinal series, uh, a surprising one to me, and I did not have any faith in Atlanta. I give much props to them. They pulled out a seven-game series win over Philly, winning three games on the road in this series and advancing to their first conference finals uh, since 2015 and got to give Trey Young credit but ultimately this one is more about in my opinion about Philly coming up short so uh, everyone's been talking about this the chatter with Ben Simmons so has he gone for sure is it it just hit that point where it's uh, it's ran its course Oh yeah, so Philly, uh, the surprise uh, for them. I mean, now with Ben Simmons, has it run its course? Are they getting rid of him for sure? I was talking to someone else, and before the series, uh, I, 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 I predicted Hawks would win in six or seven. Um, and my reason wasn't based on the ability for the Hawks to win, but it was on the ability for uh, Phillies to lose this, <laughs> this series. Uh, uh, Doc Rivers, um, this is the fourth game seven that he's lost at home, having the home court advantage. Um, and uh, Ben Simmons' lack, complete lack of shooting. Uh, like he, he, they have to get him off that team, and they have to get get another score with Joel on that team. Uh, ben Simmons, like he cannot, uh, he 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 cost him the series. Obviously, other things could have been done better. Everyone can do better things, but Ben Simmons, man, you got to trade him away for like a washing machine or whatever. <laughs> so I mean, until, uh, until, that it was even on until, that play where he had a wide open dunk and he passed that up. That was. That was kind of when you knew it. It's really, yeah. <laughs> it's gotten real. Yeah, it's gotten that bad. So. Yes, I, I, I can't believe that actually happened. I saw the clip and I thought maybe there's something else to it. The clip's being taken out of context, but, it's, <laughs> but when Joel made that, I think he made a statement too that you know when we gave up a wide open 
down for and uh, made one free throw or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, he's gotta go. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't understand how when you this is your job as a basketball player and you have all the resources, how can you not learn to shoot? I just don't understand that. Like, you can take any human being on the planet and you can at least make them learn to shoot free throws, man. You don't even have to be athletic to shoot free throws. And you have all the training that you can get in the world, all the resources, all, everything. I don't know how you cannot learn to shoot in a year. I just don't, I don't get it. Look at Lopez, who never shot. I think in the first half of his career, he only had three three-pounder pointers. And now he, he, he does like over 100 every season. So how, how can you not learn to shoot? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very tough and hard to see. I mean, considering how much talent he has aside from that. But uh, it was a clear uh, mismatch and disadvantage for them. Because, I mean, not even just the jump shots. I mean, I think he just stopped being aggressive and getting to the rim even. Because even before he would get to the rim and his rookie season in the playoffs, he would at least get to the rim. And attacked the yeah, basket, yeah. but he wasn't even doing that. It just seemed like every time he came up uh, around the three-point line, uh, uh, around near the free-throw line, he would just kind of give it up to uh, the guy coming around, Tobias Harris or Seth Curry, and then kind of just go to the corner and get out of the play. So, I mean, that's, that's what's more disturbing about the whole thing. We obviously knew that he can't shoot. He doesn't shoot threes, really. Uh, aside from when you see those uh, videos in the summer of him working out and stuff, but the 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 lack of the aggressiveness and getting to the rim as for layups and dunks, that was kind of the most disturbing thing. And that's really, I mean, even even if he's not shooting, at least he gets to the rim, he can kick it out and stuff. But he wasn't doing that at all. And but I mean, you. Yeah, he had zero fourth, fourth quarter shots in the last yeah. four games. I mean, his defense was good. Crazy. He has assists still, but his offense, his free throw shooting was cl- a clear disadvantage, and Atlanta exploited that to the fullest. So, uh, as yeah, far it, as like. It just hurts because if he, if he becomes like, you know, just an average shooter, like an average human being shooter, like, you know, <laughs> like he would be one of, one, of, one of the top 10 players. Yeah, he would. Like, like honestly, like I think uh, 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 there's people better than him. Uh, free throws is sitting in the crowd when he's playing games. So, uh, you just gotta come like a half shooter, man. I don't know how you cannot learn how to shoot. It just, it just bothers me, pisses me off. Like, I just don't know how that happens. It just shows that you're not trying to get better, and it's when you have a serious lack of skill, but you're just not trying to get better. And I think his peak was his rookie season. I I, I, I think I, uh, I agreed when he got rookie of the year. That year he was better. But now it's like he hasn't improved at all. His game hasn't changed. His stats haven't changed. And uh, let's see if he comes back and starts shooting. If he doesn't start shooting, his, you know, he's lucky he got that money. But I don't think he's going to get that contract again. Okay, so as far as like... Uh dealing him what what are some of the top destinations that that you see kind of uh uh coming to fruition in the summer possibly for a trade well the, the most one talked about is Portland Trailblazers um Ben Simmons for CJ um but I don't know if <laughs> they're gonna go with that uh or if that's gonna work out um um 
the other one, some talk for the Lakers to try to get him, but I don't think that's a that's a good uh, fit for the Lakers. The Lakers need more shooters, <laughs> and Ben Simmons definitely does not bring any shooting with him. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they can go to Sacramento Kings for Buddy Hield, maybe a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but I don't think any contender is gonna want to pick them up. Want to pick them up because he's, you know, if Shaq was in today's NBA, even he would learn to shoot. You know, so <laughs> this guy was not even a center, and uh, he can't even shoot. So I don't think a lot of teams are gonna want him for for that heavy contract. I think he still has 146 million left for the four years. So, yeah, uh, close to 40 million a year. Uh, I don't know which team's going to be willing to take on that contract. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of see like a a team that doesn't really trade much for superstars, and I think maybe they take a flyer on him, San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I think it's got to be a somewhere like a sign and trade around uh, centered around Demar Derozan, and maybe like Jakob Pertl, and I I think. That would be kind of a good place for him. Uh, I mean, R.C. Buford, Greg Popovich, Chip England, a good uh, shooting coach, and then uh, Patty Mills, the Australian connection, the veteran presence, kind of like a mentorship type type role. And I think for San Antonio as well. I mean, they have kind of like s- some young guys, like, and they're not really kind of contending for like a title probably in the next like three or four years, anyways, as is currently constructed so I think it's kind of worth the gamble for them to kind of I I think go after him maybe surround him with a bunch of shooters like small ball type uh, centers and stuff like that and just speed up the pace and let him kind of uh, drive to the lane uh, get the shooters involved uh, bring his defensive prowess and kind of maybe uh, change of scenery uh, new uh new life and build build his career i mean that's really kind of the best situation i see for him maybe possibly turning around if he does yeah yeah so where does philly go from here philly well he's good but he always has injuries uh you know who do they try to get and fit in uh you know as the number two for joel I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of bare. I mean, with the two contracts with Simmons and, and Tobias Harris, I mean, they don't have much wiggle room right there. So, I mean, so like a legitimate number two. So, I mean, I don't think they really have it unless they trade for Simmons, I mean, yeah. which, which they should do for sure, like everyone is saying. But, I mean, his value is so low. I mean, the best you're probably going to get, like you said, is C.J. McCollum. I mean, I don't... <laughs> so, Dean Wade, he's, he's going to decline his player option of $12 million. And uh, he's going he's gonna to trust the free agency. Maybe they can, Nets can do a sign-and-trade. Uh, but I don't think they want to. Ben Simmons, right? But uh, I'm, I'm talking from the point of view that Dean Wade wouldn't be a bad option for Philly. I don't know how they'll get him, but... 
Yeah, I mean, Dinwiddie, I don't think, I mean, they would have to include something else. I mean, I don't think Dinwiddie even sign and trade would match up to Simmons' 31 million or whatever. So, yeah. So I, that's why I, that's why I was proposing San Antonio. You get DeRozan somewhere in the ballpark of like 25 million sign and trade. You can add another player, maybe some picks, maybe Yaka Pertle yeah. and some picks, and then you get Ben Simmons. New, a new location. Uh, you kind of uh, be bring him in your culture in the Spurs culture. Uh, and we bring him to Chip England, who is renowned for helping players improve their jump shots. So, I mean, if it can't happen there, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It should be interesting, but let, let's let's get on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, Milwaukee versus Atlanta. Milwaukee with home court. So who who do you see uh, coming out in this series? Um, everyone, including myself, has been counting out Atlanta the whole playoffs. So what do you see in this series? Uh, I think it'll be a good series. The Bucks are going to take it in six games. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know who's going to match uh, Clint Capella uh, versus Giannis. Uh, you know, Drew Holiday is a good defender, so let's see how he plays against Trey Young. And uh, I think uh, if uh, the seating was a little different, Atlanta Hawks would not have made the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, if they had to go through um, Nets or the Bucks in the second round instead of Philly, um, I think they would have been eliminated then. Um, so so far, you know the the way the seating worked out for them, you know they got a New York team in the first round uh, where Julius Randle completely uh, disappeared, and then, then uh, second round uh, they had injured Joel and uh, Ben Simmons not shooting, and Doc Rivers. So I think they've had a pretty, uh, you know they're a good team. They fought hard. You know they deserve credit, but it's. It doesn't mean they're the second best team in the East. Um, as you know, the just the way the seating worked out. Um, so that's why I think Bucks are going to take it in six. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I got Bucks in six as well. And I mean, just looking back to last series with the Bucks, I mean, they just struggle to score so much. It just seems like such a struggle for them to score in that series. And I think that's something they're going to improve on against Atlanta. Uh, and then they kind of got the demons out of them, I think. And then I, I think they're going to be much more potent offensively against Atlanta. I mean, given that Atlanta's uh, top two perimeter defenders are out in Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. And uh, I think Atlanta, I think, I mean, you got to give them credit. I mean, they, they had uh, three, I think, 18-plus point comebacks in the, in the Philly series. I mean, two of the games they they ended up winning for the comebacks i mean and they just they put up a good fight and you got to give Trey Young a lot of credit that I mean, that's a fun exciting young team a lot of talent there but ultimately i think middleton holiday i mean was pretty bad as well in, in that series against brooklyn overall uh, a lot of bad shooting nights i think he's going to be better i mean defensively as well we saw what he can do uh, he was guarding durant on that last shot in overtime and I think him and Middleton I, I think I see them being more consistent offensively and then Giannis I mean 
Uh, I even with Capella on him, I, Capella doesn't have the speed and kind of athleticism to match up with him. And then any other guy on Atlanta is pretty much just too small, so or not strong enough. So I think I have I see Giannis having another good series like he did against Brooklyn, and I see Milwaukee moving on uh, to the finals and trying to get their first championship in 50 years since 1971. Yeah, and they're also Eastern Conference Finals. Their, uh, their series uh, is going to start later than, uh, after two games of the Western Conference Finals have been done. Yeah, that's, so, that's know, kind uh, of a bad break. <laughs> I mean, the, the Clippers, I mean, winning that series in six games, they only get a day off, and then... These two Eastern Conference Finals go to seven games, and they get three or four days off each. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, if, uh, if the 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 uh, Hawks and the Bucks, they they want to win it sooner rather than later because their series is gonna finish uh, <laughs> after the Western Conference. The Western Conference teams are gonna have more of a rest. Yeah, um, that's true. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, so we both got Bucks and Six uh, moving on to their first finals appearance in a very long time. So on the other side, in the Western Conference finals, the series has already begun. The Suns took game one. But we saw the Clippers, uh, unfortunately, lose Kawhi in game four versus the Jazz. And then uh, uh, they stepped up in the next two games without him to eliminate the Jazz, and then that big 25-point uh, comeback in Game 6 on Friday night with Terrence Mann going bonkers, 39 points, and getting the Clippers to their first-ever conference finals in franchise history. So, Suns currently up 1-0. What do you see uh, moving forward in this series? Uh, what was What is your pick, and who do you see coming out? Um, yeah, I think... Uh the answer would change depending on if CP3 and Kawhi both come back or if it stays like this. Um, I This one's a really tough one, uh, but I think I'm going to go with Clippers in uh, seven. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I already announced that Kawhi and CP3 will both miss uh, game two tomorrow. I mean, the Kawhi thing is still kind of... Uh, Confusing you, we don't really know what's going on, kind of the severity of his injury. They're really kind of uh, just waiting on it, or I mean, if it's a sprain, if it's a partial tear. So I, who knows there, but CP3, unfortunate for him. I mean, he seems like he always has some sort of injury, but this time, unfortunate for him that he caught uh, COVID at the wrong time. And had to go in the protocols and miss the first two games. But, yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I'll say Clippers in seven. That was my original pick even before the series started. Uh, Clippers lost a close one yesterday. Uh, Devin Booker, uh, 40 points. Uh, I mean, played awesome. 40-point triple-double. Got everyone else involved. Rebounded well. Shot the ball really well. And, I mean, had uh, one of his... Uh, better games of this playoffs. I mean, he's been absolutely superb both series before this against the Lakers and, and against the Nuggets. And then for the Clippers, I mean, just kind of obviously a little uh, winded from the 
the six-game series against the Jazz, I mean, and then the quick turnaround. But I, I think they look good. I mean, they had a, a very good chance to win game one. And I think they've... I think their uh, key ingredient, the their best lineup is that small ball kind of lineup. Obviously, with with George and then some of their guards, uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, Nicholas Batum, Terrence Mann, some of the other guys as well. I mean, but not not so much of uh, Zubac or Demarcus Cousins, although they did have some good contributions in Game One. But I think they're uh, their go-to lineup should be that small ball lineup. I mean, Morris, Paul George, Batum, and then s some of those guard combinations, whether it be Rondo Jackson, Jackson Beverly, something like that, just because they can stretch the floor, bring Aiton out, uh, get good three-point looks. And then Paul George, I mean, it was good last game, but I think he has to be great uh, with Kawhi out as long as Kawhi is out. But I, I think... The Clippers have it in them to go small and defend well. Obviously, they're going to lose a, a little on the uh, offensive glass, the rebounding, just because of their small ball. But I think they can make it up with their speed, their efficiency, their good ball movement, and move on uh, to their first finals in franchise history. And I have them in seven, so I'll agree with you on that one. All right, so that'll wrap it up for the conference final series. Any other uh, news you want to touch on, Anis, before we sign off for the night? Uh, no, no, that's it. A lot of firings and uh, personnel changes going on. Um, but just looking forward to seeing um, how these series progress, and then uh, if we if we stick with the Bucks and Clippers predictions, who do you think would win the finals? Yeah, I don't know. That would be that would be a that would be a really good series. But hopefully, Kawhi would be back by then. But I mean, I would probably have to go. I don't know. I mean, I would probably have to go. Just I mean, if if Kawhi fully healthy, I'd have to go Clippers. I mean, but it, it, without Kawhi, I'd probably have to go with Milwaukee in that series. Just because I think the, the the Giannis factor would just be t too much, I think, for the Clippers. Just for him, to, for them to handle. I mean, without Kawhi. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, also, uh, so Bucks. All these teams have had a long time before they made. Uh, since the last time they made the finals, right? So that's exciting to see the new teams. Battling it out. Cause yeah, at I this mean, point, anyone can possibly, you know, go and win it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, a lot of teams that haven't really had uh, much success. I mean, the Hawks won back when they were in St. Louis in like 1958. The Clippers and Suns have never won a title. Uh, Milwaukee hasn't won in 50 years since uh, Kareem and Oscar Robertson. So, uh, it's gonna be. Uh, I, no matter who wins, I mean, it might be a first-time champion or even if Milwaukee wins, it's going to be a long drought that's uh, being overcome. So it'll be exciting to see what ultimately happens. Yeah, exciting times. Uh, I think we're going to get a game every day for the next week or so, starting tomorrow. Yeah, uh, uh, there's pretty much, yeah, going to be... A, 
It's going to be alternating between ESPN and TNT but with both series, so it should be fun. And we get the draft lottery as well tomorrow, so we'll see how, we'll see how that goes down. So. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy both conference final series, and we'll be back in about two weeks for full preview of the 2021 NBA Finals.